0: Hi, I'm Donna Peskow, and this is Game Changers.
1: Yes, it is. Hi, Do- Donna. Donna. Ricky, I, Ricky. I, I, I can't. I know the sounds I'm like. Hi, Donna and this is oh, Game Oh, look at this. Now it's doubling yes, it, the yes, sound. it is. Do- oh, Donna. my god. Donna, Donna, everything that is technically could go crazy here is going crazy. It's my karma with technology. It's mercury retrograde. Do you believe in any of that stuff? Do you believe only tonight? Huh? (laughs) Tonight I do. (laughs) I know, uh, yeah. Well, it's everything that can go wrong except everything is right because you're here. Well, you're so sweet. I'm happy to be
0: here, I really am.
1: I've been trying to get you here for a very long time, as you know. Um, I am such a huge fan. And more than, more than a fan, though, I've become, I've really come to just love who you are. You're just such an amazing person. And I just love your, your, oh, God, I just closed something I shouldn't have closed. All right, I'm going to try to get it so that all the people that would have seen us that when we were on the other thing is going to, are going to see us now. So Donna, while I'm doing this, you know that I'm um, COVID crazy, I'm sure, because you've seen some Facebook stuff and, and that the people who watch the show are COVID. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm completely with you. Okay. So tell me, what what has uh, what has COVID been like for you in in how has your life changed with COVID?
0: Well, you know, it I have to say that um, you know, for the, the first part of it, I, I think Everybody was trying to kind of adjust to quarantine and uh, not seeing right. one another and, and all of that, which you know, obviously was really weird. For me, um, you know, we're not, my husband you know, said he's been practicing for this his whole life. Uh, he's not, he's usually trying to get out of social events and uh, right. reasons why he doesn't need to go with me. <laughs> um so he, he was okay uh but you know generally speaking i think the toughest thing was not really seeing people that you normally see all the time and and for us uh it was not really seeing our son because he was afraid to visit and when he would he oh. would wear a mask and stay really far away from us and I, i'm not even sure it was him some of the time might have <laughs>
1: Oh my God, Uh, but were you seeing each other like the whole time?
0: My son and I, well, yeah, yeah. no. I mean, there were, there were, there were uh, weeks, you know, where we didn't uh, just because, you know, he, he just felt it was too dangerous uh, to, to really, he he was still working and, and uh, he didn't really want to expose us to anything until everybody, knew it was okay. Um, okay. But I think, you know, generally speaking, everybody got into this kind of um, routine where you knew pretty much what the day was going to be and who you would see. And so that's when, you know, all of the technology, Zoom, uh, cocktail parties and, and get togethers and what have you, you know, I think that's when all of that really started on um, a major scale cocktail parties and and get togethers and what have you you know I think that
1: I just heard all of what I said I know because I'm trying to make sure that people are able to get on the show I'm sorry I'm doing all this stuff no I no just, it's fine I, I just I, want I, to make sure they're with us and they are now so okay. okay so so yeah so your husband is not the most social animal so staying home was not <laughs> a good thing um and how about for you because I would imagine that you are social are you a social yeah. person yeah, I mean,
0: I'm I am, and I'm not. I mean, I, I I think I'm probably less than than a lot of friends of mine who who are brilliant at at going to every event and uh, being out there all the time. I, I'm not good at that. I I I think that I probably do less than most people. Um, and I don't I don't know. It's just uh, unless it's something I'm involved in a, a project or it's with friends that that really uh, are close. Um, you know, I, I tend more to, you know, small groups of people, intimate dinners, whatever, but not big events most of the time, unless it's sort of personally
1: special. And, and how, okay, when, when COVID hit, were you in the middle of anything? What, what did you, right before it happened, did you have work pending? Were you in the middle of work? Were you anticipating work? Were you in a, a break? I mean, what was life like right before it happened? Well, um,
0: I wasn't, I actually worked a little during COVID, but, but, I'll, we'll ah. talk about it. but, but, um, you know, it's funny. I had gone through this thing and I thought I, I need to really get my, my act together personally and, and physically get into shape and, and, uh, just generally, you know, do things that this was prior to COVID. So I, I right. you know, was walking a lot and I, I lost a lot of weight and I, Decided, I'm gonna, you know, change my look and really uh, look better than I have in years, and work really hard. And I, I did. You know, I worked really hard to. I lost about 35 pounds, and I, um, I all changed. right, wait,
1: stop, stop. How did you do that? How did? Um, you do that? <laughs> I
0: went on. I went on one of these diets that uh, it's high protein, low carbohydrate, uh, somewhat medically supervised, and basically, I think you eat pictures of food most of the time. <laughs> I know, I know that I was eating things I, I don't really think I ever tasted, um, but, but it was, uh, How do, okay. was very regimented and very, and very strict and um, uh, you know, I was grumpy, but, but it worked.
1: Okay, so I'm doing Jenny Craig right now because I can't be left to my own devices. I've tried every diet during COVID. If they say, eat this, this, and this, I eat too much of it. I can't be, I cannot be trusted. How did you do it?
0: How well, this particular? Yeah, this this particular diet that I was on is um, you you kind of put your body in a, a situation where you go into what's called ketosis, and so um, if you off of it, you know you start putting weight back on. So basically, it's like really mostly protein, very uh, very little carb, and it's um, it's you know mostly vegetable carbs or 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 maybe you know. Occasionally, they'll throw a piece of bread at you, and if you catch it, you can eat it. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, the thing—the thing for me that—that that I'm like you, you know—I—I I always said I—I I, uh, my my problem with food generally was a lot of people got into drugs and drinking, and and my problem was Sarah Lee. You know, I I felt <laughs> I did a twelve-step program that had mostly to do with sweets and desserts, and you know, food uh, was was pretty much what what I would use uh, for celebrating or for being depressed or, or just because it was in front of me. Um, <laughs> yes. you know, what, so I, I had to really kind of readjust all of that.
1: Okay, so you go on this diet and it's mostly protein and, and low carbs and a lot of vegetables. I tried that too, my cardiologist, because I have a cardiologist now, Donna, because that's, that's where I am. I, I know, believe me, I do. Okay, so he said, protein, 70% vegetables. So, because, so I wanted to get enough protein. So my my protein was like this, my vegetables, it didn't work. It really, it
0: has to do with the plate. You know, my, they have these plates that have dividers in them. And I always felt, (laughs) if you use something like the size of a charger or the size of like a serving tray, you know, (laughs) it's divided, you're, you know, you're getting more food, but, um, you know, the thing is you have to be, mentally ready. And that's really all there is to it. But, you know, getting back to the COVID thing, I thought, well, God, now I'm in this amazing shape. I haven't been in, you know, for so many years. And then the business. (laughs) So, you know, I thought, well, I I got new pictures and I, I no work because no business. So, you know, I would, I would, you know, say to Arnold, my husband, you know, occasionally I said, just take a picture and, and You know, don't surprise me like, and then put it on the refrigerator, or as if, you know, you caught me at an event and it's a candid shot, because for the first time I can wear this dress in 30 years. So, my big problem with COVID was the fact that there was no work and I had given up, you know, uh, desserts. So, I I know that's not a medical reason and a
1: scientific situation, but. Okay. Do you that know about frozen? Do you know about frozen grapes? Are you allowed to eat fruit? Not grapes. You're not allowed to eat grapes. Yeah. I know look at them. I can give them to you. <laughs> look at them. <laughs> I, I, so okay. So what do you eat? All right. Nighttime eating is my downfall. I I have a really hard time not snacking. So what did you do during that period when you were doing all that losing? Did you, okay, I know about ketosis. So were you not eating for 12 hours? Were you not eating after a certain time? It's all that fun stuff. It's, um,
0: you know, basically, um, it's kind of a, a trying to change your mindset to not thinking that you're deprived, right. but thinking, you know, pretty much that you're in prison. <laughs> and, you know, you know, until that comes through that little slot in the door,
1: well, did you just stand you must have done stand-up somewhere in your life i didn't i i haven't you know
0: i did i did a club act for you know a, a while where i sang and then i talked and
1: well uh, i i see something I mean, in your future yes. and and it's a stand-up donna i'm sorry but oh, okay uh, I, I i see it now <laughs> it's uh, the old short joke i am standing you know but <laughs> so okay so at night so do you all right you're sitting in front of the tv with arnold you're watching something what do you eat what are you snacking on <laughs> just
0: my thoughts you know there's there's no there really is no snacking there snacking oh. Well, here's the thing um, and and I don't want to spend too much time talking about you know. Uh, we will. We're we're going to move on. I'm just. I, I'll, I'll probably leave and go and you know <laughs> drive through. Uh, but you know the thing is I, I I really for me personally I had to change. Oh this is so boring. I had to change. Not boring. Everybody on here is interested. And and probably eating while I'm talking. Tell me this is. I need an Oreo. I I just. Um, it's just thinking uh, differently about food, and the hardest thing for me, uh, really, was um, not throwing in the towel. You know, f- my problem was not so much starting something, but seeing seeing it through to the actual finish, uh, where the results happened. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, because we've all done the we've all been dieting on and off our whole lives, and for me you know, I, I just thought I can't keep saying it's baby weight. You know, my, my, my son is out of the house. It just, so. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. I'll, I'll, will let you stop talking about this. I'm, I'm fascinated because I'm in it. You look fabulous.
0: You shouldn't have to lose another,
1: another ounce. Except if I stand up, it's all on the bottom, you know, it's all on the bottom, you know, <laughs> you know, do you remember that skit on Sunday Night Live where the, people had like really big behinds that's yes, the yes. that's the family of which i come from really big bottoms. <laughs> so all right so so you you did work in all right did you go to the grocery store in covid i did you know i
0: i i, I swear to god i thought at one point i'm i'm just I, no one i i was so neurotic and, and you say you're I mean, I had masks and gloves and shields and <laughs> I, I would, you know, I was, a, I was so nuts. I would go to the market and all of that, and then I would come home, take everything off, shower, do the laundry. I mean, I was, and I had holsters for Lysol spray um, where, you know, if you came near me or, or you came near anything that was being touched, you know, uh, for the longest time I thought that's what the air smelled like after a while.
1: <laughs> okay, so you so you did all of that. Has your That's insane? Okay, and but you'd worked in COVID, so how did you manage that? Well, um, they
0: there a couple of jobs came my way that were out of state, which I I didn't want to do um, because oh. I thought if I'm insane. You know, going to Gelson's. I I can't even imagine. <laughs> so, I just you know I said no there. But then you know something wonderful. I did a, a an episode of Truth Be Told with um, Octavia Spencer, and you know I mean I'd have to really have malaria to turn that down. Um, so, but they were so buttoned down and they were so incredibly uh um careful and and they followed every covid rule i think i was tested every single day um wow while on set and then before that you know you'd go to the place where they stick the uh large q-tip up your nose which was lovely um right and uh, you know so i felt, and everything was very um (laughs) as i said buttoned down where you couldn't get near someone and then of course i i had the audacity to say octavia can we take a picture you know which (laughs) this poor woman you know i thought well i'll never work with her again but i you know she'll probably say i want her away get her office but i um it was it was really well well done
1: that's that's wonderful Uh, and you, you feel safe on set I did. I did. Because,
0: again, you know, they really were very careful. Everybody was masked. Um, everybody was, uh, you know, distanced when they could be. And um, everybody was tested every second. So, you know, you knew that um, there was a very little chance of, of uh, you know, any
1: kind of bad exposure. It, and but, so now um, that things have sort of, you, I'm, I assume you're double-vaxxed and you're yes yes yeah. so has your life have your has your life with arnold changed how much has your life changed back to storm- he still doesn't storm- want to go anywhere but that's you know, <laughs> sort of I mean. how how is it you know it's really
0: funny we we um we are just now starting to to go back out into the world i'm still not brave well I'm not brave enough yet to go to an indoor restaurant. We're going to restaurants that still have outdoor areas, yeah. but we are starting to do that. And uh, we went with um, our our friends uh, Lee Purcell and and and, and her, her partner Barb, Bobby to the uh, Huntington uh, Museum, which was gorgeous and wonderful. And we hadn't seen them for the longest time, and so there was you know this amazing reunion with friends that you are so close with and that you don't get to see and suddenly you're out in the world with them and you feel like there's normalcy and you know it's it's amazing it really is uh wonderful to be back you know with some kind of uh, actual real lifestyle you know again um, but uh we haven't we haven't gone
1: back big time I haven't gone into an indoor restaurant. Are you ready to travel? Like I'm not ready to get on an airplane. Can you get on an airplane, do you think? Not yet. Yeah. Soon. Okay, yeah, okay, good. All right, so now let's talk about Donna Pascal. Okay, so Donna, I know you're a girl from Sheepshead Bay and I spent time on Nostrand Avenue with my friends and there, there used to be like some coffee shop that we used to go to that I can't remember the name of. It was very famous and uh but Jane Dubrow she probably went to school with you at some point um but anyway so you're a girl in Brooklyn I assume you're doing high school you know you're doing all the high school you're doing the drama stuff in school right
0: yeah well they they had a uh I went to Sheepshead high school and they had a a show every year they used to call it sing
1: yeah
0: the, the sort of uh, title of of the three the three great was uh Uh, sophomores juniors seniors each each group each uh did their own sort of um original play with uh music from whatever they chose and they they parodied the words and and sort of rewrote it and uh i did that i loved doing that and i i was uh actually in my senior year i was missing Which was really lovely and and, and very sweet and uh, um, but but still you know you think well I I don't know if I can do a parody song of uh, you know uh, if I were a rich man in an audition but at the same time, <laughs> but it was so much it was so much fun you know it was really it was great.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, so, did you study voice? Did you study drama? Did you do that when you were young? Before- well, American Academy. Before the academy, yeah.
0: uh, no, no, I, I, um, I didn't study before the academy. No, I did not. I, I went to the academy right after high school. So-
1: How did you get in? What was your, what was your audition for the academy?
0: Oh, I did audition for the Academy. You know, I'm sure I, I can't remember what I auditioned with, but I'm sure it was um, something that I was completely wrong for. (laughs) You know, I think, I think when you are starting out, you, you know, you want to, I wanted to be Blanche Dubois. I wanted to be, you know, some incredible character that, you know, here I was this 18 year old from Brooklyn who probably had very little understanding of all of it. but I was lucky, and I got in.
1: <laughs> I, it's more than luck, but okay. Well, we'll go with that for now. And w- did you have visions of musicals? St- were you? Were you? Did you study dance in school? Yes, in school,
0: and then I would take dance classes outside of school. But most of my training really happened after high school when I went into um, the academy. And the academy was. Um, it's a, it's a full curriculum where you you go five days a week uh, four hours a day and you have every conceivable um, subject that has to do with the arts So right. you have dance and you have movement and you have drama you have classical uh, training as well in um, you know Shakespeare and uh, moliere you know, what, whatever uh, you know they they felt was necessary for you to be well-rounded right, right? And you had speech, uh, which was very uh, important to me because they said, you can't have a regional accent. And of course, coming from Brooklyn, my, my accent, I sounded like a really bad imitation of Barbara Streisand.
1: Um, you do your accent still?
0: Well, if I, if I went back, you know, if, when I'm with people I grew up with or when I go home, it starts to come back a little bit more Yeah, more. Yeah. Mars leave me, and you know, (laughs) I want coffee,
1: pizza, water. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so a lot of that. And you know, I uh, occasionally, you know, I will not realize I've uh, COVID did that to me a little bit. You know, because I was I was only you know talking to to Arnold, and you know, (laughs) so occasionally I would sort of fall back into not worrying about whether I
1: had a regional accent, (laughs) so. So, okay, they did that. I went to the University of Arizona and they did the same thing for me. They tried to, they 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 took the Bronx out of the girl and all of that. Yeah, Yeah. standard American speech, I think it's. There you go. So now you get out of the American Academy, you do some, the Off-Broad, Off-Broad, I'm thinking Off-Broadway, you do a soap opera, General Hospital,
0: well, I didn't do that. I didn't do that after the academy. I okay. the General Hospital I did it way later. Okay, that's um, the
1: wrong. One. There was one soap that you did though before
0: Saturday Night Fever, wasn't there? Yes. Well, that that's an interesting thing. I and it's on my IMDb, which I, I don't know why. Um, but I I did. A, it was either an under five, which means you have mm-hmm. under five lines, or it was an extra right. part uh, on One Life to Live, and okay. it was. I think either a hat girl or a waitress, or I was in a like a restaurant uh, scene, and I I might have said hello, or or hat. I don't, I, I can't really remember, but it was not like this role that I had, and um, I I actually did it um, after we had finished filming Saturday Night Fever, uh-huh. and there was this time between you know, the film being finished and it being released. And uh, I think, I think it was during that time where I went back to getting whatever work, you know, was available. And when you're in New York, and everybody, you know, offers you uh, a job on TV because there wasn't, at that time, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, There was, you know, a lot of daytime, which was great. Um, And so I was thrilled to get it. You know, anything that, you know,
1: Help put something in the wallet. It was great. So, did you ever have to do a job, job, Donna, or did you move right into acting? No, I,
0: I think I, I well, you know, I worked a lot when I was a teenager. You know, I worked at, the, you know, I worked in a drugstore. I worked uh, as a receptionist. You know, just whatever job you could get to, to kind of, you know, give yourself a better allowance. <laughs> so, but, um, that you know, not, not as many job jobs I think I waitressed once and got fired um
1: did your parents support you as did they support your your decision your choice
0: yeah I was very very lucky my my family was very supportive so I never really had I think I was a hammy kid (laughs) so you know it was either that they they, I don't think it was a big surprise you know when I said that's what I wanted to do I think they all just sort of rolled their eyes and said, well, of course.
1: Okay, so, so. Saturday Night Fever. So I, I've heard the story, but I want you to tell us. So there were numerous auditions? Yes, I, um,
0: I was, as I said, I, I had not, I think it was the first time I'd ever, in fact, I'm sure it was the first time I had ever auditioned for a film. And I had a really smart agent who, didn't want to tell me much because she thought I would get too nervous and she was sure I'm sure right and uh, so originally oh and I also didn't I never got a full script you know you you, I got little sides or just excerpts from it and um, John Avildsen was originally uh, supposed to direct the film so I had I think three auditions with him Mm -hmm. And, and A lot of it was sort of disjointed dialogue and pieces of the script, but mostly a a lot of improvisation, a lot of kind of conversation about the people. And uh, Shirley Rich was a casting director at the time Mm -hmm. who uh, was just this incredible, brilliant woman who, When I saw her before I got to the director, you know, you usually audition for the casting people before you are blessed to see the director. Right. I had just come out of the Academy, you know, in a sense. And she said, aren't you from Brooklyn? And I said, yes, I am. And I had had the standard American speech that I had really learned well. And she said, you sound (laughs) like you come from nowhere. And I said, well, I'm not supposed to use this accent because I was told I will never work. (laughs) <laughs> well go home stay with your family for a while and then come back and let's do this again and then i wow so she really you know sort of made this happen anyway getting back to what you were saying i did three auditions with uh, john abelson and 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 then it just sort of went away and i didn't know did you,
1: read, did you read with with travolta or when you no, were- no 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 no
0: no no, it was just with the casting person and John would kind of talk and we'd kind of play with the dialogue, but no, it was just just that. And um, then it went away and then suddenly, I don't know, maybe a month later, it came back and John Badham was on as director. And right. I went through sort of the same thing with him. And I kept thinking, why This is this little tiny role? Why do they need to see me so many times? And is this, the way it is with with movies and she said oh yeah that's what they do they, they audition you constantly for movies and she didn't want to tell me this was a really big role so i just assumed it was oh. maybe five six lines ten lines in a scene um and i really didn't know until i got the part
1: what this wow. was okay wait donna i'm going to say something don't uh, all right since we started there's sun on your face and if I, I, I thought do, I oh.
0: thought maybe that was just in my computer yeah, yeah. No, we're seeing it so I'm trying to get you out of that I, I know what that is if okay you, go. go 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 do it um, should I get out? this is so this is lovely I'm gonna leave uh, you same. know what
1: wait you know what go I'm gonna, to shut, you. I'm gonna go shut, to you I'm gonna shut your thing off so that okay it's my blinds let me it's no wait it's not letting me it's going to you it's not letting me you know what if you put stop camera on yours it'll do it stop, <laughs> stop video so we don't because i i stand up and let them see my ass in the- okay i think i think i think oh look there at that There you go. good because i stand up and i turn around and let them see my ass and I cry <laughs> about it for about six months afterwards that's why i'm on jenny craig now yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay so I don't think that helped tremendously, but.
1: Right, so oh, put your camera back on. Let's okay, see. now
0: I have to find the camera. Okay, hang on. We know where
1: I am. On the bottom.
0: Start video.
1: Oh. There you, oh no, it's still. So the, here's what
0: I'm going to do. I'm going to just move this because it's it's my office blinds.
1: Okay, I, that's, that's better. It's not in your that's face. That's better? Yeah, I just didn't want it. I, I, was, I, I was woe to stop you through any of this, but I decided you don't want to see that. No. I'm so
0: sorry I, I saw it on mine but I just assumed it was because I don't have my glasses on <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> It's those orbs. Um, okay so so you're auditioning you're auditioning do you re- you don't have any idea what you're auditioning for or how your part is or... I,
0: I knew that the, the, the theme of the script and I was told kind of what it was about but I had no clue really about any of it and um, I think I found out on a Thursday or Friday that I had gotten the part and I started on a Monday. So I was,
1: yeah. Wow. Okay, so now without the without the BG soundtrack, it must've been a different movie you guys were shooting until you heard that. Was it a different movie you were shooting until you heard that music? What they did, you know, we had different music to rehearse
0: by, but mm-hmm. it was a three month shoot and we, I think shot it backwards in many ways because the what? last part of it uh, was the dancing. That was the last part uh, for the, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So we were in, you know, rehearsal a lot of the time. Um, and uh, when we did hear the soundtracks, it was further into uh, making the film and it was incredible. I mean, I, I, I think everybody was just stunned at how great the music was and and how much fun uh it was to to dance with it I mean it was just
1: did it up the game of the dancing because I I mean I hear that that music and I just want to get up and dance I mean it's just so extraordinary it is it is indeed it's just, it's amazing okay so did you were you a disco dancer
0: before the film no um no I I was so unaware of so much of that. Um, In fact, a lot of the cast, uh, with the exception of John, because he was very recognizable from Welcome Back Cotter, uh, we went to the club before we started shooting um, and we were like fish out of water. I mean, it was so obvious that none of us knew the vibe, none of us had the clothes, um, and that actual uh, 2001 odyssey uh, was a very happening place for the local uh, you know, area. And I, I think most of the people that went there knew each other. I mean, it was pretty obvious that these strangers were coming in and they didn't quite know why. And it was sort of intimidating. Um, Did you guys get up and dance when you were there? I think, I think we were more just observing.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I don't think I would have had the courage to get up and down. I I wouldn't have known how to do it um, at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, So we just kind of wanted to check it out. And uh, it, it, you know, the thing about Brooklyn, as you know, is it's huge. Mm -hmm. So each area kind of has its own vibe, its own color. And, and you, you either stay in your neighborhood and know that really well, or you usually move out of Brooklyn. So I don't think I was even in that area for the most part until we made that movie. And or if I was, it was not to you know go clubbing or anything. Maybe there was uh, a reason to to a particular store, or you know some someone lived there that. Right. Is it? But for the most part, I didn't really know Bay Ridge in that general area. Um, so it was all very new. And I think in many ways it, it helped to kind of discover it really right before making that film.
1: How, um, w- while we're on the dancing part, so John obviously a ridiculous dancer there's nobody like him how i mean was he was he a a gracious and wonderful partner i'll tell you a little story afterwards was he helpful to you the man is
0: so generous and is so giving and yes to, to answer your question he was an extraordinary dancer who had um such a love of of dancing and of making um, all of it authentic and 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 he wanted you to feel just as comfortable and also understood that if these people were supposed to be dancing together for so long, if they were partners, then there had to be a chemistry and there had to be an understanding of the movement and how they would uh, really work with one another. And he wanted that uh, Just as much as I did and and even more in the sense that you know he carried that film and everything had to be very truthful and. uh, But as a person, he also wanted you to have a good time and feel good about what you were doing and that's who john is so it was really just a pleasure.
1: So I met him after a a panel at SAG for the O.J. thing. And he Mm. was the last one to stay and talk to every single person and shake every hand. And I said, "Um, I just want to dance with you before I die. And he said, well, let's not wait for that. And he spun me around and dipped me. I I mean,
0: oh, my God. That's John. That that, 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 that is, in in essence, that is who
1: he is. He's. You so, so you have this relationship with him, but now you have to do all this very difficult stuff with him as well. And I, the breadth of your performance from the dancing and the being that girl that we've all been, that's had the crush on the guy that wouldn't give us the time of day. I mean, your, your authenticity in that, maybe like no other performance I have ever seen of oh. that kind of situation. No, I'm serious, I'm not blowing smoke. Thank that you. That longing and that obsession and that single-mindedness of, I mean, has, is there any girl that hasn't been there?
0: Well, thats that was kind of how I thought of this character. She, I think everyone knew someone like this. Everyone knew that girl in high school or everyone at some point felt like that girl. And um, the thing, for me that was so important to do was not to make her a victim Mm -hmm. as much as to make her, you know, this kind of never say die, I'm going to make this happen um, until she realizes she can't. And it's almost like the youth. steps in. Uh, when, when someone is that young and doesn't have life experience, you, you go on instinct. And I think her instinct was to just keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. And it went into that sort of desperation that I think a lot of young people experience because they don't think there's anything beyond it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't want to, I mean, I, I mean I'm not, I don't want to get too analytical because I didn't want to play her that way, but I wanted her to just never feel like a victim and just think at some point she can make it happen until she realizes she can't.
1: And that scene that you had uh, in the car, both with Ooh. John, and then the subsequent scene. Joe Calley, by the way, is a friend. Lori Lieberman, his wife, uh, has played in my living, has sang in my living room, lovely. Uh, but doing both of those car scenes did you know when you took the part that you were gonna did you had you seen those oh no no um
0: no and and in the script it was not as a graphic but um I was so incredibly blessed because I had a director who is, John Badham is such an actor's director. He so understands all of it. Uh, mm-hmm. What you want to put on film and what it takes to get you there.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: he had a real, uh, He, I think he has a real um, caring about what actors go through to, to achieve everybody's vision. Um, I also mm-hmm. had actors like Joe Kelly, like Paul Pape, John, uh, obviously, were also very sensitive to the fact that this was going to be really tough and wanted to, if they could make it somehow easier, you know, do that. And uh, I, I think there was just a lot of trust and a lot of caring that went into Making sure that the performance could be what everyone wanted it to be, especially me, um, but having it done in a safe and secure environment. Uh, you know, John Badham had it as a closed set, and it was all very uh, gently handled, in a sense. Um, so all of that emotion could come out, and all of those things could happen. Uh, and then I wouldn't have to go right into therapy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, had you ever done any, I mean, your emoting in that scene is heart-wrenching. Had, I would imagine you had to really go there. That didn't I do. I do, I mean, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I think you do to an extent, absolutely. Um, you know, this is where I, I thank Lee Strasberg, I thank all of my teachers at the Academy Um, You know, I, I, I am so happy for my training. I'm so grateful for my training that uh, I could accomplish what you're describing. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. for me to hear you say these things, because that's why, you know, an actor does what they do to be able to touch people. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm thrilled to hear you say these things, and, and I get emotional just, you know, thinking about it. Um, but it was, you know, it's one of those things where if, if I do nothing else in my career, I, I feel like I made a mark on a character that uh, touched people.
1: beyond Beyond the beyond, that scene on the bridge, I mean, did you? <laughs> Was that all choreographed? How, how all right, Donna, move, move to your side again because we're getting the-, the Oh. Yeah. And so I'm so, you know, pretty soon I'm gonna be in another room. <laughs> no, you're great now. Now it's not there.
0: Why is Donna talking from her car? Well. <laughs> um, the scene on the bridge. The bridge. Uh, you mean that when, when he jumps yeah. or the
1: scene, there's- well, so there, there's two scenes on the bridge there's your scene on the bridge also with him um oh yeah that one was was well, i
0: mean that you know the emotion was very raw i think for for most of that part of the film i think you know i think it was throughout but it towards the the mid, from the middle to the end of the film i think all of the characters go through these really intense transitions. And um, again, you know, I have to credit John Batham and the rest of the cast because it was kind of a no holds bar, everybody just went for it. And uh, some of it was improvised, some of it was scripted, but wherever it went and however it landed, there was truth in all of it because there was such an understanding that everyone had of the characters they were playing, and um, everyone got permission, you know, from the powers that be to do it, to go for it. And uh, I think when you allow an actor to do that, you're going to get the best of them. Um, so I think that's why it gelled so well. Everybody had such a, a sense of who they were playing and what they wanted the character to, to show and what they, they were going through. And um, obviously John Batum, you know was at the helm and felt that that was where he wanted his vision to go. So it really was a tremendous all for one, one for all kind
1: of environment. So he wasn't that in your face. He was kind of letting you do your thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was very
0: open to you know suggestions. If you thought something was fun to do or whatever, I remember in the bar scene early on uh, in the discotheque where she's sitting there and there's a there's a, a stripper mm-hmm. a dancer taking off her dancing without her clothes on and all. And uh, there's a there was a, a dress I had on that had a lot of cleavage
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: showing. And I remember saying to, Jen, you know, again, this, he, he lets you feel brave enough to ask him things. And I remember saying to, 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 to John Batham, I'm talking about, uh, you know, can I try something here at the end? He said, yeah, go for it. And, you know, she's sitting there and she's watching this. Uh, and then she just kind of looks down and, says, okay, I've got the goods, you know, and, um, and they used it in the film because it was a sort of truthful moment. You know, but it worked for the character because, you know, she, she felt, you know, that her, Tony was watching this girl strip and, you know, he was enjoying it and could she compete and then she went, like, oh, I'll, I'll try.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So I don't, I feel weird about saying this, but I have to, because I've thought it all these years. All right. So Carolyn Gorney, for me, not a strong dancer. I want you to be his partner. I mean, I think that's the whole point of the thing, right? Is that where you're a better dancer, you you look better with him as far as I'm concerned. Was, was there, you know, is it my imagination? I mean, she annoyed me in the movie, to be honest with you. She just did. I wanted it to be you. I wanted you to be his girlfriend. I wanted you to be his dance partner. I was like, get out of here, you silly girl. <laughs> <laughs> you're not as good a dancer. You know, you're not as real a person. Um, But was there any of that, I mean, how much of that was I supposed to feel? I think, you know,
0: I think there was so much more than her dance ability that I think she did a, a, you know, a, a fine job with what she did, but I think that the character was supposed to be more than just a possible dance partner. I think she represented to to John's character so much of what was not a part of of his environment. She had left Brooklyn. She had broke away. uh, mm
1: -hmm,
0: So I think it was more about the total picture, you know, where she was not just, Another dancer at the club. She was someone who came back to the club to dance. Who had moved to Manhattan. She had made a life for herself. She was a girl that he rarely met and had opinions and and uh, her own life and a career and things that were intriguing to him uh, beyond the dancing. I think mm-hmm. so. I think it was a lot of a lot of that and. Um, you know, as far as uh, her ability, I, I, I think she pulled it off, and I think they—they they certainly were a believable, you know, couple on the dance floor as well as you know the storyline
1: behind it. Well, he outdanced that. but John, I mean, who you know, you can't. Nobody's going to outdance John. I mean, he's just gonna outdance. But you kept up with him pretty damn well. Good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Have you danced with him since? You know. <laughs> We, um,
0: I, I'm I, I'm friends with the family as well of, uh, as with John and uh, his brother Joey and, and uh, sister in law Wendy have a, a beautiful daughter named Rachel, who uh, when she was married a couple of years ago, uh, they just had a child. So I'm trying to think it's probably mm, maybe four years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. um, we were all at the wedding together and, uh, at one point, John said, Come on, let's dance. And I I was so taken aback. And I said, What's well, ah, there's music let's dance. let says, What did we do in the movie? And I thought, 30 years ago, what did we do in the movie? I just had two glasses of wine. I can't <laughs> my shoes. And I I just and I I so wanted to be, you know, together and you know, oh fine, wonderful, love to dance. <laughs> and all I kept saying is, You're gonna fall on your ass. You're gonna fall on your ass. Just try not to do that. You know, so, <laughs> was, but he, you know, he's such a doll. I just adore him and, and it was fun, you know. So that was the last time I danced with him was at uh, Rachel Travolta's wedding.
1: That's pretty fantastic. I'm gonna sneeze for, for no reason in a second. Um, <laughs> and So did you, oh, excuse me, did you guys know, did you know, did you have any idea what you guys were sitting on before it came out? Did you have any clue what was gonna happen there? I don't think so. I don't think. I, I think
0: certainly uh, the the powers that be might have had an inkling of what was going on, um, and I think possibly when it tested, I think films, you know, they go and people fill out cards and what have you. That did okay or did well, but I don't think anybody was prepared for the tsunami that became the success of that film.
1: How did your life change? Okay, so here you are, you're this girl from Brooklyn. Okay, you've gone to the Academy, you've done some theater, but when that, because I think as soon as that film dropped, it was boom, right? Incredible. I mean, I, I can't
0: even compare it to anything. It was literally going from nothing to everything in a heartbeat. So
1: and, what did your uh, life look like from, from, from the day that that movie opened? How did your life change?
0: I went from leaving pictures and resumes and you know pleading to get auditions to you know uh, I have Dino De is on the phone for you you know so I I just um, I was overwhelmed and I was so unprepared and I was trying so hard to make sense of it Uh, none of which I could do on any real level, so for me it was just this constant trying to act like, well, oh, sure, why not? You know, and then, <laughs> uh, and I, I remember, uh, you know, suddenly having meetings with people. I came out to California. I was still in New York, obviously, when this was happening. But mm-hmm. then I came out to California a couple of months after it opened uh, because I had these. Um, meetings with people. I, I'm not kidding, like one of them was with Dino De Laurentiis which I, I couldn't even put together in my head. Um, but I started having meetings with these giants in the industry and, and all I could think about was, why am I, what, what do I say? Why am I here? Don't spill anything, try not <laughs> to speak too much. I mean, it was just, I was so nervous about trying to look like I knew what I was doing.
1: because I knew nothing of what I was doing (laughs) you faked it really well okay so what's so tv became a huge part of your life how did you segue into tv from that well I was
0: at one point right before um right before Angie came up I was uh on a deal with uh Ray Stark if if you remember yeah that whole world. And um, it was for three films and it was for, um, I think there, one of the films was a musical and it was going to have a recording contract. I mean, it was this big wow. thing. And uh, the first film kept uh, getting rewritten and, and they kept uh, putting it into turnaround. It, I mean, I just kept waiting for this thing to happen. And during all of this, um, Gary Marshall, uh, mm-hmm. wanted to meet me about Angie. And at the time, you know, agents, well, you can't do television. You know, you're, you're going to be doing films and you, you know. <laughs> this is Gary Marshall. This is this, I, and, and I, I it, it's too good not to, you know, meet with this genius. And, um,
1: when, Wait, that, Donna, were, you as, were you as, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Were you as adept in in college at the academy in comedy were you doing as much comedy as you were drama was one thing pulling you more I
0: think, you- I, was, I think i was doing both but you know i think um the idea of doing a comedy felt really right to me um because i'm i'm a very serious person i wanted to take that <laughs> um but you know i the idea of, of working for Gary and and doing a show you know uh, like any of the ones he had been already you know associated with w- was you know ridiculous not to take um, so I, they got me out of this other thing because they there was nothing at that moment to put me in because everything was in turnaround and this and that so they were able to sort of get, that off the table and uh, go with the series of Angie, which I was more than happy and thrilled. And uh, Gary Marshall pitching a show to you is something like a a visit to heaven. It's just, (laughs) his office was sort of like a combination office, candy store, amusement park. And uh, uh, he just um, had this extraordinary energy about him, as you know, where you just, you fall in love with him when you meet him. He's just this, he was this incredible spirit.
1: He he was in the living room when he wrote his book, and I got to go to his office, which I'm sure was a different office than you had been in. But it was all filled with memorabilia and toys yes. and fun
0: things and a gumball machine and an MM M thing. And I mean, I remember walking into this thinking, "I'm I'm, you know, I'm I'm in the presence of greatness here." And and they have a cool office too. This is you uh, know <laughs> amazing.
1: And how was he? How was he as a boss? Um,
0: you know, again, I this is where I, I I cannot believe my luck. The people that I have been, you know, blessed to work with uh, mm-hmm. have been so extraordinary uh, in their talent, in their humanity, in, in everything about them. And for Gary, again, you know, like John Batham and, and other, you know, they... Wanted you to do your best work and enjoy what you were doing and believe in what you were doing and um, put all the greatest people together to make that happen. Um, I'm trying to avoid that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever that is there. This tells me I need to get curtains and get rid of the blinds <laughs> if I'm going to continue to do Zoom. Um, so, no, it was extraordinary. And the cast they put together, my gosh, you know, that was...
1: Okay, so Deborah Lee Scott, I adored from Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, Doris Robert. Oh my God, Doris, I, oh. And, and, uh, and Robert Hayes at the height of his career, because wasn't this at the same time as Airplane? Didn't No, that have... he did Angie first,
0: and then he did Airplane during the second season of Angie. He was doing both. Oh my God. Which was making for him, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I read something today that I didn't remember, but they had him dancing to a song from Saturday Night Fever in Airplane. Yes,
0: <laughs> and the funny story behind that was um, Bob is a really, really dear friend of mine, and um, to this day we are very close. In fact, he's my son's godfather, and I'm his son's godmother, and Aww. you know, it's it's really just been a, a friendship of decades, uh, but during the, the course of that uh, show, when they were doing, he was doing Airplane, he said, I'd like you to come to the set. We're gonna film this one section. I think you're gonna, you know, enjoy. If you can, you know, come by, that'd be great. Um, I said, oh, I would love to do that. You know, and it was that scene. And mm-hmm. it, I, I literally had to, I mean, I, I had to, I think, hold my face because I would have just blown the take it was so hysterical to watch and he was on a harness, you know, so they, could, if you have to do that, that dance, I mean, he was so hysterical, which he is anyway. Um, right. and, uh, the, but there it was doing a parody of that. And at the same time, at paramount, John was filming urban cowboy. Um, and I mean, aside from, I guess what they were doing in Texas, there was some of it done on the lot. And I said, got to meet him and tell him about this. And so, it's wow. point I was able to put the two of them together, and <laughs> I said, "Tell them about that scene. Tell them about that scene." And and Bob would not tell him. He just said, "You know, there's this really funny scene. Yeah, you'll, you'll see, and you'll you'll get. It. But, you know, I mean, you'll recognize the music. It's, I don't want to really tell you much about it. It's it's really it's it's very funny. And and they became friends. I mean, it was really just hysterical.
1: That is one. Did you did you get to hang out with the Bee Gees ever?
0: I never met them until after the film, yeah. So, um, but it, it, boy, that was extraordinary. You know, the, the, the music was just amazing. And that documentary that was done recently.
1: Fantastic.
0: The whole story behind it. I didn't know half of that. That was extraordinary.
1: Uh, I saw a picture of you with Andy Gibb from somewhere. Were you?
0: No, Andy was doing um, Pirates of Penzance on Broadway And uh, that was actually a birthday party for Maureen McGovern. And they were doing Pirates uh, together on Broadway. And uh, that's how I met Andy, that was at the party. And um, everybody thought that we were a couple from that picture, but that was (laughs) from the party. So I have no really cool dish to tell you at all. (laughs) Did Maureen
1: McGovern do the song
0: for? Different Worlds, she did the theme song for Angie, yeah. So she was a good friend, yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. So how, how different? okay. So now you're a TV star. So how is your life different now? You're a TV star versus before. Yeah. Well, um, because first you're a movie
0: star. Oh, oh, okay. Um, it's so funny because, you know, I never, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think of myself. As <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, the thing about doing a series, which is so fantastic, is that it's like um, you get to go to work every single day and and you get to do this really fabulous material. uh, But you have these bankers hours and you can um, have a life at the same time you can do a sitcom. It's just unbelievable, except, you know, for the night that you film the show, for the most part, you know, you're you're doing just a normal I mean, it may be a little bit longer, but, you know, it's great. So for me, I thought, wow, this is, this is a whole other world than doing films, because with a film, you know, you pretty much, that's your life. And right. it's fine, and it's wonderful, and there's certainly, you know, nothing uh, but, you know, day-to-day great uh, work, thrilling in, you know, environment and, you know, it's, it's not, there's nothing bad about it, but the right. thing, that's all you're doing. So doing the series taught me, you know, that, wow, this is kind of cool that I could actually be an actor and do that. And also, you know, have a life as well, which I hadn't had yet. So that was kind of fun.
1: How did you meet your husband? How'd you meet Arnold?
0: Ar- <laughs> Arnold and I were a blind date. Stop. Yes. Yes, yeah, so all of you out there who think blind dates are bad, no. Who was the matchmaker? Neil Israel and Amy Heckerling were married at the time. And Amy was a good friend of mine, and Neil was a good friend of Arnold's. And they decided we should meet. And uh, I went kicking and screaming, kind of. Um, but there it is. Love at first sight, or did it? was it friendship? No, it was love at first sight, which really... Oh. Me off big time, um, because I didn't like not being in control of everything, so <laughs> I know that's very hard to tell, isn't it? That I like that, um, but uh, yeah, it was. And it, <laughs> we um, we went to a place, uh, that I thought you know, he said, Well, we we you know, talked on the phone, and I said, Well, let's go for a drink. I didn't want to you know, commit to dinner, it was too long, <laughs> and uh. He said okay and we went to a place that turned out not to have a bar and um i made the maitre d so insane that set up this little table for us so i would just <laughs> shut up and and we sat at this little sort of makeshift table by a coat room um and uh so you know it was like well i'm gonna go now uh because i i was not gonna you know stay longer than you know 45 minutes or whatever but i knew the minute i met him that this
1: was going to be different Wow! Well, how long did it take till you guys married about a year and a half pretty quick yeah pretty quick and in november it'll be 34 years so go figure that is i that i love that that is so by the way lee purcell told me to ask ask me to ask you your ham radio moniker <laughs>
0: Oh God, Lee is so technically brilliant and I am so technically stupid. Um, Lee taught me how to Zoom because I was so afraid that I would accidentally do things like press a button and my garage door would open or a blender would go on. I didn't, everything freaked me out. And uh, so when this came up, you know, she said, well, I said, I'm doing, you know, Vicky's show tomorrow. We were talking uh, on the phone and she said, "Uh, well, it, and I said, I don't know and, and I, I I gave her the list of all of your platforms, and I'm so impressed that I know they're called platforms. Um, <laughs> I thought it was shoes before yesterday. Um, so she said, uh, I said, I don't know what many of these are though to Lee and Lee and I said, is it like a uh, uh, what, wait, what I, I said is it like a, um, a ha- uh, not a ham radio a uh, 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 what, are they, what, are, what, what did they use during the wars a, sh- a short wave? <laughs>
1: yeah, I guess yeah
0: I said is it like that she said no it's a ham radio that's why so I, I said okay then I should have she said you have to have a moniker so I said it would be uh, Brooklyn short gal
1: <laughs> we should have written that in your little in your little yeah. box there on on that's on- it Brooklyn shark girl okay so, okay so while we're talking about people so you did a lot of television you did a lot of uh, other than your own shows which we'll get back to but Trapper John you work with Gregory Harrison and uh, John Rubenstein it John, yeah it was amazing yeah um okay uh Love Boat uh, uh, Jim Colucci asked me to ask you about Love Boat because you did it many times he said you must have enjoyed it because you went back again and again so um, anything funny happened on a love boat? Any any Gavin memories? Anything special there? Well, Gavin Gavin was just, you know, he, he
0: was one of those people that you met him and in the first five minutes you thought, oh, this is the sweetest man on the face of the earth and what a heart and, and what a talent. And, you know, to me, I looked at him and went, my God, it's Murray from Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> you know, I just, um, uh, he, he was... Always just the most lovely human being uh, and just wonderful to work with. But that show, you know, I used to go back and forth from New York to LA and um, those during those years. And uh, it was always, you know, when an offer would come in to do it, I said, oh, of course, you know, it was the people on that show, everyone, Ted, everyone. I mean, they were, they couldn't have been more fun to work with and, and more lovely. And Aaron spelling could not have been more wonderful uh, to, to work for. And he was always extremely um, lovely and generous and you know would you know pay well. Uh, so uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, the the funny you, you ask about a particular show, um, James MacArthur who who was on Hawaii 5-0, Jimmy MacArthur, who played Dano, uh-huh. no, Dano. He had a storyline that was so ridiculous that Fred Randy uh, was on Carson, Johnny Carson's show and, and Johnny Carson said, was there ever a storyline that even you felt was a little kind of over the top or out John, there?
1: watch your, you're going into the light again. Don't go oh, into I'm the
0: light. Go into the light. Um, and, and he brought up this particular storyline that, that Jimmy and I had done, which We had so much trouble keeping a straight face. Uh, I played a maid with a club foot. (laughs) And he played a concert piano with rheumatoid arthritis and he couldn't play anymore. And so for some reason, he was going to play one more time to get me a new foot. And just... It was so, I was limping around in my head. I was doing The Glass Menagerie. I said, Laura, do Laura from The Glass Menagerie. And there I was limping around with a club foot and and he was walking around with these arthritic fingers. It was so insane that it was sweet. I don't know how else, you know, and, um, but I think that somehow they'd make it work, you know, they would have these storylines that were so everywhere all over the place, but they would, you know, make it work, because, were... but I remember laughing a lot during that particular
1: one. That sounds fun. All right, so, so you also broke ground, which uh, blows my mind as a um, uh, someone who is very sensitive to the lgbt community so you were the first gay character on a soap opera Mm -hmm. How? so okay all my children so how what was that how was that for you i had well again
0: you know this is in in the column of being lucky this is one of those things um what year was i got a call approximately I'm I'm gonna say early '80s, okay, to mid '80s, somewhere in and around then. Um, I got a call saying that they wanted to do this, and um, they. It was just a uh, a, a guest star mm-hmm. for a period of time um, where they could do the storyline, and. Uh, I think I, I shot that show for maybe five to six weeks and I could be wrong, and it aired over a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a storyline with a beginning and a middle and an end. And uh, how it was it, you know, presented to me was we wanna do this gay character um, because it's not been done and it, it, it's not been done uh, in a way that we wanna show people that um, it's it's a character that is like any other character right. that just happens to be versus, you know, some strange storyline about some strange person. And and I was so really flattered that they would um, ask me to do this because I thought how great to be the first person to represent, um, you know, the LGBT community. And and have an audience that can support you know this storyline and sort of express you know um, this this story that has not been told uh, in any way that had been done before on daytime and um, I don't think there were a lot of nighttime shows that had done it either right. and. Uh, you know, basically it was a storyline that now, you know, would be nothing special, but because the character was gay, you know, it became this other thing. And it was great because I think for people finally were able to, you know, see themselves in, in a character without having to... Be offended in any way. You know, I, I was, the mail that came in, I know I'm all over the map with this. No, 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 I
1: was going to ask you about this. Was there any blowback or? Well, of course
0: there's, but most of the, most of it was, was, was very positive. I, th- you know, I think the network was, uh, careful about how they did it because it was such new territory. So they kept it in a very sort of safe, um, storyline where there was, there was a, there was a, a character who, my character was gay and this character who was straight, uh, said, I think I'm in love with you and I'd like to have a relationship with you. And she said, no, I don't think that's the case. I think you're just, you know, off of finishing a relationship that didn't work and you're looking for something, you know, from someone to give you, you know, a life that you think you, you won't have, otherwise, and and that's not what I'm about or what you're about, and and they did it uh, in a way that was, I want to say, orchestrated to be okay for the audience and yet groundbreaking for uh, the gay community, and now it would be looked upon as very tame and kind of not really Expressed as well as it could have been, but at the time
1: mm-hmm.
0: was, uh, you know, very brave, um, and I, I mean, I thought it was a, a a tremendous opportunity for me to to do something as an actor, not just as a performer, but to do something, you know, to to support a community that had not been um, really.
1: Uh, uh, Dealt represented, with, represented, yeah. yeah, yeah, and also that was like AIDS was very at the fore in those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all lost a lot of
0: friends, and and there was, there was a lot of uh, um, misinformation and miscommunication. Uh, so I, I was very proud to do
1: that. To, you know, to- I, I spoke to Harry Hamlin, and he played a gay character, mm-hmm. and, and it it changed his career, not for the better in his case. His was very explicit though. He had a much more- I, Yeah, I, he
0: did the film, uh, uh, yeah. And, and he was brilliant. Um, you know, I think at that time, it was just such uncharted territory. People didn't know what to do. And it was just a lot easier for people that didn't have the scope of the world, or or whatever, to just put a label on someone or something, and um, you know it's it's very unfortunate that it took this long. Mm-hmm. I think there's still a lot of challenges ahead, um, mm-hmm. but I think there's been tremendous headway made, um, and you know I I just feel if someone can use their voice or their talent to to the situation and to, and to help. I
1: mean, what a gift. Was anybody unkind to you? Like, did you go to the supermarket? Did because the soap operas hit a lot of people, a lot of women. You know,
0: were- no, I didn't. I think, you know, for the, I, I'm going to say for the most part, uh, it was really received well and people, people were really, uh, uh, Happy about seeing seeing that uh, storyline and that character. Um, you know, I think people that are shallow and, and ignorant are going to be shallow and ignorant no matter what. You know, it's not it's not going to change anybody's mind who who made up their mind based on lies. Right. Um, so, but I think it did change some minds for people that maybe were open. To look at the world differently, and I personally, it never, it never hurt me in any way. If anything, you know, it's always been uh, something I'm very proud of. And when people bring up, you know, they're happy to talk
1: about it. I I love that, Donna. Um, uh, Moving on from there, uh, you got to work with Burt Reynolds uh, out of this world. What I, I, Burt Reynolds, one of. I don't know. Tell me in real life if he is as wonderful as I perceive him to be. As yes. As-
0: yes. 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 And yes. Um, Burt Reynolds is was uh, a superstar, and I I um, I don't think when you meet when you met Burt Reynolds and and just because of of what he had done prior. And, you know, I think there's a uh, a sense of um, awe, you know, when you meet people like that, even though they are so sweet and can be so down to earth. And and even though, you know, they, they may be volatile in some situations or whatever, you know, I know he had that part of him. I, I didn't see it. I didn't experience that. But, um, you know, he, he was such a hero to me. And the other part of that for me was that uh, he had this theater in Jupiter, Florida. Um, and everyone would, you know, do a play for Bird at some point. It was just the greatest fun in the world. And he had this beautiful theater and a beautiful school that he had that Charles Nelson Riley used to run, uh, he was the director of, and it was a, quite a good acting school. And so, you know, there was all of uh, the, the theater uh, um, situation with uh, the students and, and Bert running. I mean, it was just this incredibly wonderful situation. And so I did a play there uh, with Marilyn McCrew, uh, and uh, Marilyn McCrew and a, a play called A, My Name is Alice, which was a musical. And uh, Arnold, this is my Burt Reynolds connection here with Arnold, Arnold came to see the show and asked me to marry him down there. So we got engaged uh, at Burt Reynolds Theater. And so Bert, <laughs> I know it was really sweet. At, at one point he had uh, everyone to the ha- his house and uh, did this incredible toast to uh, Arnold and I about love and about life and uh it was just so extraordinary so i had already had that experience with bert before i had worked with him on out of this world so he was you know already sort of family in that sense and and uh, so incredibly lovely and
1: talented and is he as funny as i imagine him to be was he funny on the set like was he a prankster and stuff you know the thing
0: about the he he did the voiceovers for the character of my husband again a a, you know a storyline that i had married an alien i don't know if you know the story (laughs) the alien was on his planet and i was here but while he was here we had a child and uh that's me raising this child and he would talk to the child and to me through this i used to call it a candy dish but it wasn't it was some sort of Crystal thing. It looked like a candy dish my grandmother would have had in Brooklyn. It was a crystal thing. It used to open up and we'd talk. It was like a, it was a sort of telephone type of thing. Anyway, so uh, that, that was, that was Bert's part of the show was his voice. He was never on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I would see him occasionally because I would just, you know, see him, but um, uh, he was never on set. Okay. You know, so, yeah, yeah
1: all right well somebody that i'm guessing was on set with you when you did even stevens uh, and and three emmy nominations oh my god uh shia labeouf when he was you know um he was a baby
0: he was 13 years old when we started that show
1: okay so was he's kind of eccentric was he eccentric then
0: um I'm going to move so I can, I think, well. I'm seeing that again. I'm I'm actually, is that okay, you're seeing it, are you okay now? You're good now, you're good. Oh, okay, good. Because I was actually almost in your shot. So, um, was Shia eccentric? No, Shia was a child who had so much talent Mm -hmm. and had so little guidance in his life. Mm
1: -hmm
0: that he flew by the seat of his pants uh, in the world, okay? So I think in many ways, um, this is a, a guy who went from being on a TV show as a really young kid who was impressionable, who was not necessarily parented the way most children are parented Mm -hmm. um, and had a lot of difficulty with his father who if you saw Honey Boy I did yes was pretty um, and so I think you know they talk about post-traumatic stress syndrome and all of that and what that does and I think that's a lot of what Shia went through Mm. and went to therapy for and has demons that he's still dealing with yeah. um but this is a guy who has a wonderful heart mm-hmm. who has exceptional talent and i think has to constantly deal with stuff that many people don't uh there's a lot of emotional damage that was done to him mm-hmm. and And I think he has, unfortunately, uh, acted out because of it, and some his own fault, some maybe not, because it's just, again, the way he was wired. Um, But I have a lot of faith in him, I think he's going to pull it together. Mm -hmm. And I I love that he's a kid to me, he's always going to be a kid to me, he's like my other son. Uh, I I think he will survive and survive well, and I think he will turn it around. And I I hope he does, because I think whatever he has done that has hurt him or other people can be fixed, should Mm -hmm. be fixed, and I think
1: he wants it to be fixed, and I think that's the start. Mm -hmm. I agree. so i came across a photograph of you and barry williams that i'm going to assume is from greece is that from Greece? you must have been doing greece you must have been yes yes yes
0: and and you can see belinda carlisle is in that picture yes yeah also casey Kasem, and it looks like my makeup was done by earl shibes Um, (laughs) You put that picture up, I thought, I'm going to kill her, but okay, oh, fine. Oh, come
1: on, that is the most I'm,
0: historical picture. It, it is such a goofy picture because we did Grease at the Terrace Theater in Long Beach. And um, it was so much fun. It's such a great show. And so, oh, my God. I mean, what a workout that is as an actor and a dancer. And and just, it's a joy to do that show. And I got to play Rizzo. Oh. And I wanted to play Rizzo for so long and I, you know, I started having a career in LA and never was able to do it in New York. And when this came to me, I thought, yeah, absolutely. I was the only person I knew who had not done Greece. So I had to in order to stay friends with. Them. Um it was great fun. And Barry was wonderful and Belinda was oh, yes. wonderful. And, wow. and so was it was great. It was a great cast.
1: It was a lot of fun. So Okay, so here we are, and it's the e- ending of pandemic, let's hope. If you had your, is is there something you'd still love to do that you haven't done or something, is there more theater in your future, do you think? Would you like to do, would you like to do like a Netflix series? I mean, like what calls to you now? I'll just say yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Everything, yes to all of the above. Um, you know, I'm dying to do something that challenges me as an actor. Mm-hmm. I'm dying to do something that scares me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been so lucky and, and so blessed to do as much work as I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I would love to go back to the theater and do uh, another play. I, I did a play called Rest in Pieces that uh, Steve Bluestein wrote uh, in 2014. We did that in uh, Delaware at the Delaware um, Rep. And it was, it was so much fun and it was such a good play and such a good character. And I had not done a play for so many years. I was so petrified uh, because you can't say, can I have another take? And, <laughs> I mean, but it, it, it does come back to you. That was my roots. You know, that's where you start. And, 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 it's still my favorite thing to have that audience and that energy and that incredible uh, connection going on, um, and the spontaneity of it all is just amazing. You know, so I'd love to do another play. Uh, I'd love to do a Netflix series, but you know, I'd love all of the above, as you say. But I- I'm hoping that there's a character out there that scares the crap out of me that I can get so on.
1: like because I imagine that a net was kind of scary to to yes. jump into right so I'm um, something like that something that challenges you emotionally or something yeah but with n- not as high a heel maybe <laughs> <laughs> Donna I adore you and I you are as lovely and as easy as I expected that you'd be I mean we've never met we've chatted on the phone for five seconds of, a couple times but I I've chased you down for years, it feels like. Thank you so much for doing Well,
0: I have had a a great time. And thank you so much for having me. And I I thank everyone who's watching. I mean, it's really been great fun.
1: Well, I look forward to so much more you and hopefully in real life. And have a wonderful rest of your day. And thank you again. And to you as well. To you as well. Bye-bye, everybody.